This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is the Morning Run. Joyce, Julian and Sharad's here with you. Now let's take a look at the top business news today. Malaysia has just posted its largest trade surplus since 2012 and total trade grew by about 6% to about 1.9 trillion ringgit last year and exports reached almost 1 trillion ringgit. I think that's a huge number uh, and the fact that exports have also grown by over 20%. Um, and this suggests that, uh, oh, sorry, not exports growing by 20%, but trade, trade surpluses. Surplus. And this yeah. suggests that imports uh, are taking a backseat here. And that you know raises the question of whether this is a sign that consumer sentiment is low because when you don't import stuff, it means you're not buying stuff. And that leads to uh, the conclusion that consumer sentiment is uh, just taking a downturn here. And that's supported by a lot of conclusions that analysts are making. Yeah, could that also mean that this, uh, we're looking at our sectors producing much more as a productivity increase, uh, in, you know, but perhaps everything else uh, staying level, for example, our consumption. So, uh, yeah, again, this could also be a sign that the yeah, country is moving towards the, you know, a uh, more positive direction as to productivity increasing. Yeah, it could be also uh, because of uh, foreign exchange, the ringgit um weakening over the period. But yeah, looking at this, Malaysia's trade surplus by twenty over 22% to just over 120 billion ringgit. That's the fastest it has grown in 10 years. And I think the country saw higher trade deals from a couple of countries. Hong Kong, that's up about 45%. China, that's up about 8%. Uh, Saudi Arabia, that's up about 45%. That's quite a big jump there. I think it's also interesting to note that the government is guiding for about 4.8% uh, GDP growth for 2019, uh, whereas uh, the MIER, the Malaysian Institute of Economic Research, uh, is coming for a, a lower number, 4.5%. Um, this uh, is... is I, I guess it's a very big picture stuff. You know, we've just come off the Cameron Highlands by-election. A lot of uh, cost of living issues have surfaced uh, to the top. You know, what what does this mean for uh, consumers, right? Because when businesses talk about poor consumer sentiment, it means that business is bad for them. But uh, for uh, the consumers themselves, there are cost of living issues. Uh, is inflation going to go up? Is there personal inflation going up? Uh, having to support uh, children's education, putting food on the mm. table, um, is the GDP uh, as a broad number really capturing uh, the situation in the household? Yeah, and while we posted record trade figures last year, I think some economists are warning that the Malaysian dependency on external demand that could result in slow trade. Um, global tensions like Brexit and the US-China trade war could also play a role here. And um, the Asian Strategy and Leadership Institute, better known as ASLI Chairman Tan Sri Ramon Navaratnam, says that Malaysia is a very open economy and it is one of the largest trading partners worldwide and it has a strong dependence on external demand. So a slowdown of the world economy could hamper our export growth. Yeah, and looking at the uh, statistics, um, we Malaysia reported seeing higher trade deals with countries, for example, Hong Kong, China, Taiwan, ASEAN, Saudi Arabia, um, and also there's Korea, um, Australia, Bangladesh, and the EU and the US. And uh, again, uh, the trade war between US and China may have an impact on this, especially now China is also, now that there are restrictions between uh, between US and China, they'd probably be looking into um, countries, especially in ASEAN. So Daim is coming out uh, with some kind of paper to uh, 
push Malaysia towards a new economic direction. Never mind the question of how uh, Daim is involved in uh, the government. I know, I know, he's the council of eminent persons, uh, and I think that's dis- no disbanded longer, already. Yeah. But he seems, seems to be getting a lot of airtime being the government's spokesperson. But um, a, a new a, pa- a paper on a new economic direction is that existential crisis or, or is that rebranding? Yeah, I wonder what is in this policy paper that the government is preparing. Apparently, it's on a paper on Malaysia's economic direction. I think Tun Daim uh, acknowledged that, you know, there, were, there is criticisms towards the new government's lack of clarity and he defended the government saying that Pujajaya needs time. It'll be interesting to watch what's in that um paper. I think the plan outline would supposedly help, uh, you know, alleviate any fears that investors and credit rating agencies may have with regards to Malaysia's economic direction. Not to not to shift away from the focus with regards to uh, the economic direction, but uh, one of the, during the, uh, this question about Daim being, giving recommendation was, it's not new and um, it, Again, he has always reiterated that his position is to provide recommendation as because the government okay. still yeah. needs to... Yeah, still. Okay, then, then, then going back to uh, major economic policies, right? There are a few winners, there are a few duds, right? I mean, the, the winners, for example, uh, the Free Trade Zone Act of 1971 uh, established, uh, for example, uh, the, the Free Trade Zone in Bayan, Lepas and Penang, which opened the doors to uh, tech companies coming into Penang and establishing manufacturing and export basis then. Mm. Those kinds of export revenues lasted for many decades uh, for Malaysia. But the Dutch, right? The Dutch, we have quite a a number of them. Uh, For example, uh, the uh, new, new economic policy um, I, I don't think that that has a- achieved its objectives. Uh, Proton, Wawasan 2020, a lot of these uh, major uh, economic pronouncements have in fact uh, done nothing more than uh, give the nation a false sense of hope, right? So we, we hope that, uh, we continue to hope that this new economic paper that is coming mm. out is something concrete that uh, can be acted upon. Uh, I, I know we, we are launching the third national car, but you know something something else more um, uh, creative, giving us more hope. Yeah, something uh-huh. that can be executed well, definitely. Um, all eyes will be on what this policy paper is about and when that's coming out next. But also speaking about Tun Daim, he also has comments saying that the government will proceed with the GLC reforms. He says this includes the selling of state-owned enterprises. And he said that many GLCs are undertaking a comprehensive study of their businesses following the appointments of new CEOs and directors. So remember over the last eight months, Putrajaya had changed several board members, the CEOs right. of you know, state-owned enterprises, GLCs. So it'll be interesting to watch uh, what kind of changes these new guards have in place and whether or not they can change whatever it is that you're supposed to change, be it culture, business direction, what's the strategy for these uh, entities. Definitely something interesting to watch. Yeah, so this I think goes in line with that call uh, for professionals, not politicians, to take lead of this GLC and um, retain those who are credible for an example we've uh, seen, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Wahid Omar, for an example, is one individual that has been known um, to have, uh, you know, to, to be able to manage very well and mm. uh, we, we no longer see him uh, Correct. running any of Correct. the uh, I, I think that, that's the kind of thing that we don't want to see uh, repeating itself, right? And it, to be even more radical and go one step further, you know, Wahid Omar was uh, also a part of the government, you know, that's a question of whether he is a government proxy, although uh, 
a very good one at that, a very meritocratic one at that. But you you know you want to go one step further and have the government cut its umbilical cord uh, to uh, from the GLCs and not having that golden share or whatever. That's true, but you also want to put professionals in place, and it should be based on merit, uh, whether or not these people are there at the position or at the seat because of their links or because, you know, of their lying to people in power or is it because of their work, their actual, you know, merit-based work? I mean, it'll be interesting to watch as well this current Pakatan government when they put these professionals in place. It'll definitely... Everyone's watching to see whether or not these professionals are able to do the jobs well. Also in the news, we have... um, well, Malaysia is saying that you know they're going to let Goldman decide how much to pay. So according to a Bloomberg report, the Malaysian government reportedly is going to let Goldman Sachs Group decide how much to pay of the 7.5 billion US dollars that you know Malaysia is seeking for the bank's role in 1MDB. This is a very interesting maneuver on the part of the Malaysian government. I mean, I mean, the sky is the limit as far as seven and a half billion US dollars is concerned, right? So mm. even if you take a cut out of that, that seven and a half billion is still a lot of money coming back to the country. So I, I would say well played, very well played. Yeah, but this is definitely uh, in contrast to the much st- um, stronger stance that the Minister of Finance you. Uh, took about maybe just several weeks ago when uh, it, it was very clear that we Malaysia was going to seek um, for the uh, money that Goldman Sachs has raised uh, for the 1MDB back in, in, in almost in total, the but theft, even more. You mean the theft? Or maybe maybe it's a, a strategy they're doing. They're doing so, the good cop, bad cop kind of thing. Yeah, Who but knows, this is right? this is much more. This is a much softer stance. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, also in related one uh, MDB news, uh, it seems that uh, well the. The Securities Commission has slapped Deloitte with a fine of 2 million ringgit for failing to discharge its statutory obligations, including not immediately reporting irregularities. So this is the first case uh, of an audit firm being penalised in connection with the 1MDB scandal. $2.2 million for uh, one of the big fours, uh, not a sum that can be dismissed. It's quite a big sum, you know. So uh, I think it's great to, as Anthony Luke says, you know, to strike the fear in people, right, uh, when, when they do the things. So we, we need to do things correctly right now. And earlier on, uh, we were in, interviewing uh, Tan Sri uh, Aziz Sata of Trans- Transparency uh, International. And... Uh, he, I, I was trying to tease out like the actual things that can be done uh, to uh, give us signals that something right is happening, but I couldn't get the answers out of him. Um, and, and basically, I, I think this kind of thing, when you have a 2.2 million fine, and when Anthony Luke says that uh, you've you got to have fear in the summons, you know, I, I think these are the basic building blocks uh, that will set us on the course to corruption elimination. Yeah, and this fine came about, guys, despite Deloitte having included an audit qualification and emphasis of the matter in Bandar Malaysia's and 1MDB's uh, RE's audited uh, financial statements. So it's, it's interesting why SE still went ahead with the fine. And I wonder when they say that um, Deloitte failed to immediately report irregularities, uh, what were the irregularities and the time frame for that? Yeah, with regards to since we're talking about improving trust uh, with this uh, big four, now uh, the Financial Times, now they made a report saying that uh, 
the uh, Pricewaterhouse and uh, Ed Young stated that they will no longer provide non-essential consulting services anymore to UK, to UK audit clients uh, with regards to, with a move to sort of improve public trust. So I, I don't know how the non-essential consulting, not going for it anymore, uh, would actually lead to improving public trust. So that's, mm. uh, that's, uh, that's a question. Yeah, maybe you're looking at conflict of interest. But uh, we're going into the 9am news bulletin. And after that, we'll come back and take a look at the FBM KLCI. Is it in the green or in the red? Julian Ng will tell us. He's all set and ready in front of the Bloomberg machine. So stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.